Beef. It's what's for dinner. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the third week of the IBN College Football Podcast. I am so sorry. We had a slight weather delay. <laughs> a bad storm came through <laughs> Richmond a few minutes ago, threw everything out of whack. Um, but we're here. We're here. God is not going to stop this roast. I, Lord knows we it a long time, a long time for this episode. And I'm glad I didn't have to wait too long into the season to get this off my chest. But today, Texas, it is your day. The Longhorns are back, baby. They are back. Are you ready, Marcus? I'm ready. All right, let's get it on. Let's get it on. Here we go. We're not going to waste no time. Y'all already know what it is. That's right. Come on down, <laughs> Longhorn. Let me tell you about Texas, man. Let me tell you about Texas from my perspective. Texas is the guy who in high school was the coolest person ever. Got any chick he wanted. Just walk into the room, just look at a chick and take a girl. He had the nice car. His parents paid for everything if he didn't have it. Uh, he was the starting quarterback because his dad was the coach. That is the Texas Longhorn program. Now, fast forward. Dad's no longer coach. Parents don't got no money. Matter of fact, the parents got divorced. And he's got a pot belly now. He don't get the chicks. He ain't got a job. He just lays around on the couch. He's got no life skills. Welcome to the 2019 Texas Longhorn Program. And I like Herm Herman. I really do. I like Herman. Been supported since day one. But, I mean, they just, they're just not it, man. They're just not it. I'm sick of hearing the fans say they're back. This is exactly why I don't like reading too much into these BS bowl games against programs like Georgia who had college uh, national championship aspirations, and then everybody's basically like, we don't really care. And then Texas comes in, and they win, and they're, they're really using that as a stepping stone to go into the 2019 season. And LSU was like, nah, bro, cut that out. Sit down. <laughs> You're not ready. It was a good game, though. It was a good game. I'll give it was, it a, good game. Good game. It was a very entertaining game. But when you talk that much trash as a fan base, nah, I need to see it. I need to see the win. What was your take on it, Marcus? I mean, I called it. I mean, I, I knew going into the game, I just had that feeling that LSU was a superior team. I, I really thought what, um, you know, what you got a guy. I think people have really been so down on Ed Orgeron, and I don't think they've really given him enough credit for, you know, really steering the program into, you know, a new direction and really saying, hey, Three yards in the cloud of dust isn't going to work for us. We're going to let guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall and Joe Burrow, we're going to let them loose. And, I mean, that's what they did. I mean, it was just times in the game where it looked like Texas was hopeless. Like, you know, they were just hoping for stuff. Because, I mean, you let Joe Burrow go 31 for 39 for 471. He had eight incompletions. Justin Jefferson, I think, had nine catches for 163 and, like, what, three touchdowns and Jamar Chase had eight receptions, 140, like 45 yards. Terrence Marshall. I mean, you've given up three receivers each with over 115 yards receiving. I mean, look at Justin Jefferson was averaging 18.1 yards a catch. <laughs> That's crazy. Terrence Marshall, 20.5 yards a catch. Jamar Chase, 18.4 yards a catch. I mean, when you give up that type of offensive production on the board, you, you have no chance of winning. 
And it just looked like in the second half. And I knew that. And I, I just had that feeling. I said, okay, Texas, we've heard that you're back. We've been hearing that for, what, a decade. You just mm-hmm. got to show me. That's where I'm at with Texas. I, I'm over over back, and people, they hate us, and you, you, they want to be – no, no, nobody – no, that, that Texas is, is done. I think, you know, Tom Herman, luckily for them, I mean, they still got some big games going forward. So, I mean, this really, really puts – I mean, the, the Oklahoma-Texas game is already an important game, but, I mean, the importance level now is – I mean, it's urgent for Texas. It's a win or – a t- you know, another two-loss season or better, and, you know, another subpar bowl. And when you're not in the college football championship discussion, and that's really where Texas wants to be. So have a yeah, seat at and, the kiddie table, man, for a while. Yeah, and ultimately, I do owe Mumble Mouth an apology. Um, he has embraced <laughs> this. And, and that was my question heading into the season anyway, is, you know, how would he react? But he's embraced it full force, this uh, this new offense. Um, and and he's let he let the new the new coaches and assistants come in and, and really work their magic, and it, it's showing, man. Um, I mean, we're yeah. we're talking about an LSU team that is now getting um, strong consideration from people as a uh, national championship contender, and yeah. uh, and I, and it's not necessarily. Um, that that they're they just look like they're finally playing to their player's strength, which has kind of hurt LSU in the past. And you look at the guys that they've put in the NFL, and then you look at the offenses that they've run, and you kind of scratch your head, like how did they not win more games? You know, um, and I feel like we're we're finally getting to that point with this program where we're not really asking those questions. Um, but we gotta go ahead and give you guys your credit, Texas. You put up a good fight, but it wasn't enough. So come on down to the kitty table. Matter of fact, I've got a place <laughs> right next to me because Florida State, we're, we're just going to stay here permanently. There's nothing yeah, Florida State done. can you're do done. to get out of the kitty table. Matter of fact, the entire state of Florida can come down to the kitty table because in a surprise move, we got to bring our boys back from Miami. Come on down, Miami. <laughs> Losing to North I think Carolina? North Carolina? FSU in Miami. You're there permanently. Yeah. Until we're, further we're... notice. You're there. You're fr- Listen, you're just waiting on everyone else to join you for the rest of the season. You have your, you have your position. We got fruit snacks. We got juices. We got string cheese. Whatever we need to accompany the kids. Sit down. This is now we're about to start to enter conference play for some for some teams. We're about to enter, you know to enter the heart of the season and the meat of the schedule, and it just you know cream cream always rise to the top. But you guys, I mean, <laughs> can you believe that man, Florida State, the, man? the Florida State and Miami game is going to be a battle for who gets the top bunk. It's it's not even a question anymore. <laughs> we're not playing for anything. <laughs> this is embarrassing, man. Like yeah, I I don't even want to be in overtime. Yeah, I don't even want to watch it. I don't even want to watch it, yo. Does Louisiana Monroe even have a legitimate program? I mean, they got 85 guys. Listen, they got guys on scholarship, but it's not the same guys. It's not guys like Marvin Wilson and guys like – I can go on and on and on about Florida State, but they're not even worth my time. You know, Florida State is one of those, like, 
you know, you meet those guys on Twitter that is just so crazy, and all the energy you have for them is okay. Like that's yeah. the only reason, that's the only response I can give to you. Okay. When you say yeah, okay, and, I'm just like okay. And I was looking, I was looking at uh, looking further into the play where the young man was lined up backwards, and um, I was looking at like you know what people were saying. And again, definitely the, the still shot looks ridiculous, all right. But obviously, I, I read into what um what uh, young Browse was talking about, or baby Browse as I call him, and I get it. You know, it's just a way of of kind of keeping the tempo without necessarily having to uh, abide by the rules of like the formation shifts and so forth. And I understand all that. And then everybody was like, well, they gained 11 yards, but we still only won by one. <laughs> <laughs> One to Louisiana Monroe. One That's point to a JUCO. What? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. And, and Miami, Diaz, man, you, you got to beat North Carolina. I'm sorry, man. You should beat North Carolina by default. You know, I don't even understand how that happened. That's disgusting. And then Nebraska, you come on down to. We ain't forget oh, about you that's, either. Oh. At the end of cut. We, we, matter of fact, yeah. you saw the next on Nebraska. Because, look, I didn't, even, I didn't even take the uh, time to download Nebraska's fight song. It's not even worth it, yo. It's not even worth it. Like, now. <laughs> I can't believe this guy. I'm glad I, I didn't get it. I, I put it that way. Listen, it's crazy because I, I don't want to be the guy that said, I told you so. But I said, listen, let's pump the brakes a little bit on Nebraska. I think we're being incredibly optimistic just based off those last six games of last season. But I said that defense mm-hmm. is going to be a huge issue. And not only that, I really felt Scott Frost got out coached in the second half. I really like the adjustment Mel Tucker made on defense. And I think as Montez in the game went forward, they realized they were picking up chunk plays. You know, I, I don't know if you remember that screen that um, Maurice Washington broke on Colorado. Then Colorado came down and threw, like, another 75-yard play. It was just, yeah. three, you know, plays, big plays in a row that really changed the game. And from that momentum, from that point going forward, it just looked like Colorado just gained so much momentum. And it was just hitting big plays and big plays, and the offenses were quick. And it just looked like Nebraska was really stuck in a rut offensively and defensively in the second half. And, I mean, for Scott Frost, this was really – the, you know, the, your first coming out game of the season, going on the road against a really good Colorado team in a good 330 slot, you know, where people were really saying, okay, let, let's see what Nebraska, you know, is. They're playing a quality opponent. Because South mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about the big difference between Colorado and South Alabama. And for a team that was expected to, you know, people were scheduling, oh, the Ohio State-Nebraska game, that's a trap game. Nebraska's an 11-win team, and they're going to be the representative for the Big Ten West. No. No, no, no. I think this is probably more of a, like I said, a 75 to 8 and 14, and that is a hell of an improvement in Scott Frost's second year. Yep. And, I, and that's what I kind of expected. Now, did I expect them to lose to Colorado? No. And it was just 34-31, and, and a quote-unquote, it's still a rivalry. It's a rivalry game. I, I, I think that you know, for those Big 12 days and the Big 8 days of Nebraska-Colorado does does mean a lot. So, I mean, it's just I'm, – I'm disappointed. I mean, if if you're going to be – if Nebraska's back, just like Texas, just like Michigan, show me. I think the time of talking is over. You just got to win games. College football is that simple. You, you have to win games, and you can't lose – I mean, I know it was on the road, but you can't lose to teams like Colorado, who is in a first-year coach, you know, and essentially a rebuilding year for them. And here's the program – you know, in Nebraska, they had really high aspirations this year. It's just it's same old. It's the same old, man, every year. It seems like we got the same candidates every year. 
to that I say amen. To that I say all right, all right, all right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, man, I, I looked at the um, I looked at that matchup um, like a uh, kind of a, from a boxing perspective. Uh, sometimes you see guys come in who who are high talented prospects, and that would be Nebraska at this at this point. They got the energy, they got the mojo. Everybody's like really hype about them. And then they go against the guy who who's just gritty. He's just gonna make it a game. And in the first half, in the first half, it looked like Nebraska's flash was was kind of overwhelming Colorado. And like yeah. you said, they came out in the second half, made some adjustments. And the crazy thing about it to me was, if you think about it, you're playing with house money if you're in Nebraska. Like we're not talking from a yep. gambling perspective. We're talking about uh, a, a strategic perspective of Nebraska's got a lead going into the half. Even if you're giving up chunk plays, yeah, even if you're giving up chunk plays, you're still able to score as well. At some point, you have to pull back as a, as a coach and as a team. And, and even, even through tempo, you can still dictate, you know, the flow of the game. And I felt like they let that get away from them uh, by trying to outdo uh, Colorado in, in as far as those chunk plays goes. Because like you said, there was at one point where there was like a, a big play from Nebraska, they scored. Then Colorado comes back, big play, they score. <laughs> then Nebraska comes back. And it's like they got a little too ahead of themselves, a little too greedy. Yeah. But that's in a crazy way, it's almost like that was Colorado's um, strategy coming out in the second half. Yeah. It's yeah. like, all right, well, I mean, we're already down a couple scores. Hey, let's go for broke. And see what we got. We don't really we shouldn't be respecting this defense like that anyway. We can really get at these guys. And and I remember watching some of the first half because I was going back and forth uh with another game and Montez didn't look good at all. He looked out of sync, he looked kind of trashy. <laughs> and then they come out in yeah. the second half and you could tell there was more rhythm, there's more patience, guys were, were playing with some energy. And I don't know if it was just Nebraska thinking that they had it in the bag because, like you said, they were up, what, like 17 nothing um, going into the uh, half or, or what. But uh, Scott Frost, he's got to close that game out. You've got to close that game out. Just for the sake of your program and, and, and just to ward off the bad juju uh, that comes with Nebraska in the last couple of years, you got to close out this game. Like you said, this was their you- moment. They're three thirty. I think, I think the game I was watching was um, Army and Michigan was the other game I was watching. But honestly, that was their that was their only real competition as far as the spotlight of that time frame. Because um, I don't think Clemson and um, and um, Texas A and M was getting any real like watches, like because it was kind of a blowout from the jump. Like you could tell Clemson was just yeah, it was dictating the game. Yeah. And and I'm watching this game, and I'm just, this ain't a good look, man. This ain't a good look. So yep. between Texas and Nebraska, two two programs that are pretty storied. Two uh, blue bloods, yeah. Yeah. Where do they go from here? Uh, and I know some people are like, oh, this is an overreaction, but it's really not because this new generation is seeing this. This is the stigma attached to your university. People ain't going to want to come to Nebraska because they keep losing. People ain't going to want to come to Texas. They're not winning these big games. You're in primetime slots. You have to win. Like, recruits are watching, you know? Like, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. So what is your what is your selling point if you're Scott Frost or you're Tom Herman when you're losing the LSUs and you're losing the Colorados? Like, how do you get out of that slump? Where do you go from here? 
I think Texas is okay. I, I mean, I think Texas is on the right track. I just think they're ahead of themselves, and I think it's going to it, – it takes a lot to be an elite program in college football. You have to have the right coaching. I think you have to have good quarterback play, and I think you have to have depth on the offensive and defensive lines. And I just don't think Texas is there yet to to the level of a Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, a Georgia, an Oklahoma, and, and, and an LSU. It just looks like these, these rosters are just – more talented. And I like Sam. Mm-hmm. I like Alan. I think he's a really good quarterback for what they want to do, but I think he's limited, right? Like, I think that he's better when and he when he gets in a rhythm, when they can get the quarterback run game going. He played really, really well Saturday. This isn't a knock on him. It's just, I just think overall, when it's plays to be made, like, he has to make more plays in the passing game, I think, vertically. And it's just the defense for Texas. But, listen, it's the state of Texas. It is the University of Texas. They're going to recruit well. Recruiting isn't their issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, the state is so deep with talent, and the name is still a very much a national brand. I think Texas is fine. I think Nebraska, now you have to regroup and say, okay, listen, I think internally in the program, of course, you know, I don't think that the hype and the expectation really came from the media. But I think Scott Frost is a realist, and I think he's saying, hey, guys, listen, we're not good enough yet to come out and not give our A game for four quarters. Sure. Maybe in Ohio State can get away with that. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, whoever can get away with that, we can't. And we got to understand mm-hmm. our identity is Adrian Martinez is still young. He's got to cut down on the interceptions and the mistakes. And if they do that, I think they can still have a really good season. I, I never thought that, you know, it's for 11 and 1, 12 and 0 type season was realistic for them. But I, I think both. Uh, okay, I, I think the panic meter is a little, little high. But I just, I think for Texas, you know, so many people in the national media just really thought that this was going to be their year. Now they still can. I mean, of course, they still have the rest of the season ahead of them. I mean, they got a really good Oklahoma team coming up in a, in a month, and I think if they win the Oklahoma game, that could completely change their season. But if you lose that, you know, you're already a two-win team, and halfway through the season, you have no chance at the college football playoff. And I think that's what's going to define college football programs now. I think if you want to be elite, it's not really making the playoff because it's four slots, but you have to, at the end of the season, you have to be in that, you know, between one and six and one and seven to really just be in a national conversation and give yourself a shot at the college football playoff. And I think that is what Texas wants to be right now, but they still got a long way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that assessment. Um, I still want to um... – Say that Texas is trash, and so, I'm so glad to see y'all lose. Even though I did bet, I did bet Texas, which we rolled to the next segment. I did bet Texas. Um, I called it at six and a half in the group, but I ended up waiting and got it at seven, so I ended up with a push. I did hit on the over, which was great, um, actually, because um, it didn't start out too well. But typically, with with any big marquee game in Texas, points come in the second half anyway. Uh, so that that worked out well for me. Um, the best the best bet of the day. I don't care what nobody says. Was that beautiful backdoor cover by the Texas A and M Aggies? <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> which was, uh, was the, I don't know if anybody was really paying attention, but from a gambling standpoint, it's almost like it was Jimbo played for it. Yeah, it was the funniest moment of the day because you got a game where it's literally no reason why Anum should care to score. And there's no reason why Clemson <laughs> should care to stop him. But here you have Venable and, and, and uh, now I almost called him Fisher, Venable and uh, Jimbo really 
like going at it from an X's and O's standpoint, calling timeouts and stuff like that. Just for what? For what? And and luckily <laughs> uh, that cover came at the end, and I thought that was great. I feel bad for the people who didn't get it, um, as well as for the people backing A uh, and M. I mean, um, Clemson. So I'm not gonna rub it in your face. I'm just saying it was it was great to get that. Um, was there any bad beats that you saw? This weekend? Uh, not that not at the top of my head. Not that I can remember. Okay. I'm sure there were um, more than a few. I would almost count the LSU game as a bad beat for the simple fact that Texas gave up two-point conversion. And that honestly was the difference maker uh, for the for the spread. So, um, but again, you got the push if you, if you played it to the seven. Um, but, it, like, you know, some, somebody in the group asked me why didn't I just uh, buy the point. I honestly thought seven was generous. I really I really thought that uh, Herman and them would, yeah. would keep it within five to six points. So I was getting seven, even though I called it a six and a half. I honestly didn't think it was – at that point it would be asking too much for seven and a half. So um, I want to point out, too, that New Mexico State did cover – the fifty six. <laughs> that that was probably a bad beat uh, for somebody, but I mean, you you gotta look at it like fifty six points, man. That's a lot. That's a whole lot to ask of anybody. Yeah. Um. What else did I like? Obviously, the Army game. I loved it. Um. We can talk about Michigan a little bit. I I don't want to over Michigan the show because obviously you're a Ohio State fan. And I'm a Harbaugh hater, and I don't want people to think that we're just saying things to be biased. Really not. I am concerned with the Michigan Wolverines, and I will tell you why. And that's because Shea does not look comfortable whatsoever in this offense. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, it, it just does not look good from an execution standpoint. Now, I understand you're playing a triple option team in Army. There's going to be some, some hiccups on the defensive side. And I honestly thought the defense did well, all things considered, uh, having to prepare for this team um, – you know, maybe they started earlier in the season, uh, like like during the summer or whatever. But either way, I thought the defense looked okay. But there's just fundamental elements of offense that I just got to see from my quarterback and the team in general execute. There was a there was one of the turnovers that was pretty crucial, um, where the the running back crossed Shea's face to to help with the uh, the safety coming off the end on the left side. Like, it just wasn't complex. You could see he was blitzing. You knew he was blitzing. The running back crosses the quarterback's face to pick up the block. And I understand, I understand you can't see everything, but that is well within the peripheral of the quarterback. I don't care, unless he's blind in his left eye, he had to see that this running back was beat, you know? Like, he crossed his face yeah. to make the block. And it's it's an issue for me because, again, you see the blitz coming, you either audible check down or something. There got there has to be a, a, a safety valve in in the uh, in the scheme. And honestly, I feel like that's part of the reason why he's not comfortable is that there are there are not a lot of check down options. I, I feel like the routes are a little too long, um, and it and it's uh, their blocking isn't good enough to really hold uh, for the for the plays to develop. And and Shay's kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. And I don't know if somebody told him not to run so much or what, but in this case, he ended up fumbling the ball, but he could have seriously gotten hurt because he stood there in the pocket, didn't step up, didn't go left, right, didn't do anything. He literally 
just stood there, and the safety came around and knocked the ball out of his hand, and his reaction to it is what really bothered me the most. He didn't even brace for a hit or anything. He really didn't see or feel that safety who was well within his peripheral, and that's alarming to me because if that's old boy from Ohio State, he's dead. <laughs> the ball's going <laughs> out of bounds, and his helmet's coming out. Like he could really get crushed in, in this in this conference because they got some hitters in the conference, and they're coming off yeah. the edges like that, and he's not feeling it, picking it up. The plays are taking too long to develop. Uh, thankfully, they have a bye week, um, so they can maybe tweak some things or fix it. But as a football fan, I don't think they look good at all. Yeah, it's just – I mean, you know, the thing with Michigan, I don't want to – I'm going to say pump the brakes just because mm-hmm. I do – now, I, I think they have a really tough schedule ahead. And I, I really thought – I expected a lot more from Josh Gaddis and from Jim Harbaugh. But to me, it just seems like Jim Harbaugh's fingerprints are still all over this offense. I know they want to say, you know, it's speed and space. It, but the rest of college football has been using that, you know, model since, you know, 2000. So it, it, they're, yeah. they're 19 years behind. And not only that, it's just like Harbaugh is unwilling to give control to Gaddis. I remember it was a drive, I think, in the fourth quarter, and it was like third and three. They ran an inside zone, and it got stuffed. Then on fourth, it was – no, I, I take that back. It was like third – it was third and two, and they, they run an inside zone, got stuffed. And then it's fourth and two, they run an outside zone. And they get stuffed and they're playing the backfield. And I just thought to myself, that is that's Jim Harbaugh, without a doubt. Yeah. And I just think Shea Patterson. There's been some reports that he's been hurt, and I really think mm-hmm. Dylan McCaffrey's a better quarterback. I always, I, I think that Harbaugh should, you know, look to play him more. I know he's young, but you want to get him ready for the stretch, you know, because you still got Wisconsin, you still got Michigan State, you still got uh, Maryland, and you still got Penn State, and you also have to play us. So that's a, I mean, Michigan is going to have their hands full going forward. And like you said, the defense, I I expected a little more from them. I expected them to have some hiccups against the triple option in the second game of the season. But it's just that offense, man, that Shea just does not look comfortable. His decision-making isn't good. His recognition and control and command of the offense doesn't look good. And I think for Jim Harbaugh, he's got to find a way to get him some confidence and to get him going because – He's going to need a guy that's going to make plays going forward. And if you're struggling to make plays against a very, you know, inferior cadet defense, man, I, I don't like your chances going against a Wisconsin and Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State, and, and, and so forth. So, I mean, I, part of me wants to say, you know, give him some time. But I think, you know, how much time does Jim need, man? We was promised this speed and space this to be a, a new offense going in a new direction. And to me, it's just the same old Michigan. So, I mean, Jim, Jim's got to make some decisions, man. Yeah, and it's just the way Army played them on defense, too, that's, that's also alarming. I, I don't think I've ever seen such an aggressive approach from a military academy as far – because generally they don't have the athletes to match up with the top program, so they usually either make it competitive through effort or they're just very disciplined. But, I mean, these, these yeah. guys were <laughs> loading the box, sending, sending seven, <laughs> and just – challenging Michigan to, to daring them to try to throw it over top, and, and they just could not get it done. And, again, like you said, we, they got seven opponents left on their schedule that are ranked as of right now. Now, out of those seven, you can guarantee at least four will still be ranked when they, when they play. Uh, three of those opponents are on the road, which we already know Harbaugh and Michigan's record uh, against ranked opponents on the road. 
Wisconsin is number 14 right now. They're, they got to go there. Penn State is number 13. They got to go there. And quite frankly, the way Maryland's playing right now, I don't think people want to go to Maryland to play Maryland either, which yeah. you got to respect them. I mean, they they blew the brakes off of uh, off Syracuse. Of Syracuse. And, and and I real can, funny in the life. Yeah, and I was just, I could double back. I could double back. I'm not going to put Syracuse at the kitty table for the simple fact that everybody knows Maryland is a trap game. <laughs> but um, I will say that um, they didn't look good at all. Uh, it could be that they were looking ahead to, to the Clemson game. I don't know. But um, Maryland is rolling I think right really now. Maryland is really good, too. Yeah. I really think Maryland is good. I think you look at Josh Jackson. There were a lot of people, one, one of my favorite players in the Big Ten, I think one of the favorite players in the country, honestly, is Anthony McFarlane. I, know a lot, I don't know if a lot of people – you know, the casual fans really know him, and he's not really a household mm-hmm. name like a J.K. Dobbins or ETN or some of the other – or Jonathan Taylor, you know, some of the other better backs in the country. But take a – man, mm-hmm. watch, get, when you get a chance to watch Maryland, watch Anthony McFarlane, man. He's a he's a, he's a speedster. He's a guy from Florida. They use him a lot like Alvin Kamara. They get him a lot on the edges and put him in motion, and he can run good between the tight. Like, I, I mean, he's a he's just an exciting player. And I think what Mike Locksley <laughs> – I don't know if you remember this, so, you know, a few months ago, Josh Gaddis and Mike Loxley, you know, they had a little, you know, a couple of exchange of words. And Mike Loxley essentially warned people that I was in charge of the offense at Alabama. I was the play caller. Josh Gaddis was the assistant. And mm-hmm. I think so far of a two-game sample, <laughs> I got to say, well, I'm not going to argue with Mike Loxley because if you look at what he's doing in Maryland, and he's got a guy like Josh Jackson who played a lot of football. And he's thinking, Maryland has a talented roster, man. I, I really like what he can do because, honestly, if he can keep Ohio State, Penn State, Florida, Alabama, and the other schools of, around the nation out of the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, that DMV area, there's elite talent. I mean, think about Dwayne. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was a Maryland commit when Mike Sloxley was there. Chase Young, who's going to be, you know, we all know, I think he's the best defender in college football, is going to be a top five pick. He's from Maryland. He was going to the University of Maryland. And then when you get a guy like Mike Flossley leave, then they became Buckeyes. And I think there's a lot of talent in that area, man. And if he can, he can get someone, he can have a successful season. I think he can really take this program, you know, back to you know when they had some success in the Ralph Region years. I, I, I really like Maryland. Yeah, they're, they're starting going to be tough. It's tough. Yeah, they're starting to grow on me. Um, and and I, I mean, I have no choice but to take notice when. When I look at a game like last week's game against Syracuse, and I was like, why is, why are they, you know, why is this line so close, or why is it like this? And 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 I even said that I was a little concerned because people were buying into Maryland so so uh, heavily, um, and it was definitely some sharp action on that. So I just wanted to see what was going to happen. I ended up taking the over, um, just because I knew no matter what was going to happen, people were going to score. And I mean, mm-hmm. Maryland covered that by themselves. I think they had like sixty-three, and the over was like fifty-seven yeah. or something <laughs> like that. So, yeah. um, I mean, that it was an, it was an incredible display of football, um, and just just a, to me a, a real good um, statement game for that program, uh, letting people know that it ain't gonna come easy, no matter who you are. It ain't gonna come easy if you're coming to Maryland. Um, you're gonna have to play, and and that and that's huge for for the conference. Um, because you got, like I said, you got teams like Michigan and stuff that, that have to travel there. I mean, they could play spoiler. They really could. Um, so who are your top five right now? 
man, my top five right now, after the first two weeks, I'll say Clemson is still number one. They haven't looked impressive, but we yeah. know that you don't have to be a complete team right now. I still think they have the best quarterback in the country, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. They got guys like Ross, and they got one of the better receiving cores in the country. And I think their defense is going to gel and get a lot better as the season goes on. And, I mean, they huh. beat, they controlled that game against Texas A&M, and I, I think they're still number one. Bama's two. LSU is number three for me. To go on the road to beat a Texas team in a primetime game and to perform the way they have, I, they're going to get that de- – David Randall's going to get the defense figured out because they didn't have the greatest defenses showing either, and especially mm-hmm. for a defense that is so talented and with a great coordinator like David Randall. I think they're number three, but they got a schedule. You know, it's, can they get past Bama? Yeah, it's easy to beat Texas, but we, we all know what awaits for them in November. Number four is yeah. Oklahoma. I think with Lincoln Riley and what Jalen Hurts is going to do, they've shown that they're probably going to be the cream of the crop once again in the Big 12. And number five, I have a tie. It's 5A and 5B, and I'm going to go Georgia and Ohio State. I think both of those teams, they're, they're biggest tested down the road. But I think that both teams are incredibly talented, and I think that what Ryan Day – and Justin Fields are going to do. Um, I, I think going, as the season goes on, that team's going to get a lot better. And I think Jake Fromm and, and you know and Kirby Smart they got things under control in the East. And now I think they're going to breeze through the East again. And it's really going to be a showdown between them and Bama in the SEC championship. And you know I think Ohio State and Georgia and LSU I think they're going to just almost just be you know it's going to be a round robin of those three teams for the final spot. I wonder if um, if a one loss I mean, LSU could, could still get into the uh, playoffs, uh, it, it would be well, tough because cause essentially you're looking at Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Michigan. One of those three teams is going to win their conference, so it's kind of an automatic spot right there. So, but I, if you have an let's say you have an eleven and one LSU, right? Mm-hmm. You have an eleven and one. Georgia. Neither neither of those are conference champions. And you have yeah. an Oklahoma team, let's say undefeated, and an Ohio yeah. State undefeated a one loss conference champ. To me, if the committee when they if they value conference championships as much as they do, if you have Oklahoma and Ohio State at a one loss or undefeated conference champion, I just don't see mm-hmm. how LSU or Georgia can get in. I, I just don't understand that, that, that thinking, that rationale of well, they're twelve and one in the SEC. I just don't think the SEC holds as much weight as as it once did, especially not in the SEC East. Now, I think LSU would have an argument to say, "Hey, look, we we went on the road early in the season and we beat a really good Texas team, who's probably going to be, a, you know, probably a two loss top top ten to top fifteen caliber team." Mm-hmm. And our only loss would be to Alabama. And if they go on the road, road, they'll play Florida. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, they play Florida at home. They got on the road in Mississippi State. I think they got Auburn at Bama and Texas A&M to finish the season. I think they have a legitimate chance. They have a legitimate argument. But for me, it's just – it's going to be tight, man. It's really going to depend on the Big 12 – I mean, the Big 10, excuse me. If it's a Michigan or an Ohio State – if there's an undefeated Ohio State or one-loss Ohio State team, then I think with this year's team, there's no doubt that they're going to be much improved and the committee's already – they, they're in. So I think for LSU, you really got to hope that, man, maybe Oklahoma slips up, Georgia. Like, I think it's going to – because I think the, the top two spots aren't going to change. I don't think – I don't mm-hmm. see Bama or Clemson really being threatened. I, I don't. Now, I know Bama, you know, has some challenges coming forward when, you know, LSU and, and the Egg Bowl and things like that. Excuse me, the Iron Bowl. But, mm-hmm. I mean, who are your top five? 
Uh, my top five right now, Clemson, Bama, obviously, um, LSU and Oklahoma, and then I've got Ohio State. I'm just completely disrespecting Georgia. <laughs> 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 uh, but honestly, I, I ain't going to lie. I, I kind of have the same idea, 5A, 5B with Georgia and Ohio State, just because I think that Cincinnati is a, is a very solid team, and knowing what I know, I was very impressed with the fact that y'all beat them like you beat them, even if they were traveling. It's, it's still yeah, they shouldn't have lost yeah, by that true. much. Um, I I think um, I think Ohio State uh, is the type of team that as the season pro- progresses, they're <coughs> excuse me, they're going to continue to get better, and that's scary um, because yeah. I don't know yeah. if anybody knows their ceiling. Uh, Georgia, I anticipate Georgia doing what Georgia does, but. I just don't know if it's enough to to overcome uh, having to play Alabama, and I don't want that necessarily um, to go against them. But they haven't really played anybody, you know. And I mean, yeah. Bama and Clemson are going to stay one and two until somebody beats them. That's that's their right. They've earned that as as being you know the only teams really compete for the national championship over the last what four years or so. Like they've earned that right, mm-hmm. that respect. But um, LSU, like you said, going on the road, beating the Texas team, even though it was somewhat of a shootout, um, I, I really have to buy into the fact that they, they are um, a much improved program and should get that respect. So uh, those are my five. I don't really see it changing much um, until we, we get LSU, Bama, and Georgia uh, playing teams in the conference. And it brings me back to what we said during the preseason is that honestly Auburn is going to decide who really runs the SEC because they play everybody. Yep. You got to you know, and then a couple of those teams have to come to Auburn to play, and Auburn is still two and zero, uh, and they they look like a team that that can compete and, and potentially play spoiler. So um, I really think the committee is going to be having an eye on on that particular um, set of games. Um, I still think that. The the Big Ten offers the the best uh, all around uh, competition. Uh, I still think the SEC is very top heavy, uh, but mm-hmm. I mean the argument could be made for the Big Ten as well. But then when you look at Michigan's schedule, like let's say these teams really stay ranked, they're playing seven ranked teams, man. Like that yeah. murderers row. I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> I don't wish that on anybody. You got to play seven top twenty five teams. And, and out of those seven games, three are on the road. There is no way. And you already had your bye week, too. So you don't get a break. You don't get any kind of real break. Yeah. So there's no way I think that they realistically get through that gauntlet without losing at least one, man, especially how they look so far. And then you end the season with Ohio State. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah, it's tough. It's, a tough, and, it's tough. And, and because of that, I really think it sets up Ohio State or even if Michigan somehow gets through that, it sets them up to potentially make it into the playoffs, and then that's going to leave an odd man out in the SEC. So um, all three kids. I mean, we don't know yeah. about Michigan, not this weekend. They they do have mm-hmm. a bye. They have a bye weekend this weekend. They do have yeah. another bye week um, between Maryland and Michigan State, but that's not until November 9th. But September 21st, they go on the road to against Wisconsin, and right now it seems like Paul Chris has his guy at quarterback, yeah. and it seems like they're doing a lot more with Jonathan Taylor, and they're doing a lot more, I think, with their offense than we've seen before. You, I watched them the last two games. I mean, they're supposed to blow out USF, but, and 
you know, I, I forgot who else they played, but looking at their offense, they looked a little more explosive than a traditional Wisconsin offense is, where I think he's comfortable enough at quarterback to say, hey, you know what, on first down, we can we can dial up some, some, some shots because, you know, teams are just going to mm-hmm. play them so heavy in the box. So, I yeah. mean, if Michigan loses this game against Wisconsin, man, I, they still have Penn State, Iowa, Maryland, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. I, I mean, you got to think that, I mean, this could, this could be an eight and four season or, you know, or worse if, if Michigan isn't careful. Yeah, it's, it's, it could be bad for them, really. And and it didn't yeah. look that way at the beginning of the season, but I mean, you know, how they look now and in, in the current form of the teams, it really could shape up to be pretty bad for them. Um, rolling into uh, this game, because we're, we're running into the red a little bit. Um, we've got some interesting matchups on Friday. Not anything with, like, playoff implications, but from a gambling standpoint, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, my favorite line out of Friday is the uh, plus three, North Carolina visiting Wake Forest. Um, oh, yep, I had that down. I mean, I honestly, from what I know of Wake Forest and their, their uh, home record, I'm willing to even take the money line on North Carolina uh, at plus 125 uh, and just kind of double down a little. Um, Wake's defense still struggles. Uh, If they, if they do pull it out, it'll be, it'll be interesting to me in a shot. Uh, But North Carolina did just win um, against Miami, a game that I don't think many people expected them to win. So there is potential for that quick turnaround to be somewhat of a letdown spot right here uh, from a gambling standpoint, but they're also in-state rivals. So um, there's that as well. Uh, have you watched North Carolina any? I haven't watched them yet, but obviously yeah, I was getting them, uh, something out those kids. I, I watched both games, and I said, I don't know if you remember in the early podcast, I wanted to keep an eye because Sam Howell was in a Florida State commit, and uh, he signed on National Signing Day, excuse me, got out of his letter of intent and landed in North Carolina. I watched them against South Carolina. I watched them against Miami, and I was honestly most impressed by, you know, to have two comeback fourth quarter, you know, game-winning drives by a freshman quarterback. is That's pretty impressive. And mm-hmm. it seems like Mac Brown is finding his role. I think his last time, you know, at Texas, the game kind of passed him by, but he's got two coordinators, two good coordinators on both sides, the offensive and the defensive coordinators, a young quarterback and Sam Howell. They got Ohio State transfer um, and Williams at running back who's averaging like 7.5 or 8.5 yards a carry, some tremendous number. And he he's getting the most out of those guys. And it seems like those guys are truly buying into Mac Brown. I think Mac Brown is, is loves those guys and he's truly himself. And I, I was really surprised in North Carolina. And I would say this, they get by Wake Forest this week. And I think next week or in two weeks they play Clemson. That's going to be a really interesting game in the ACC because now, you know, North Carolina, I don't know if they're this – you know, phenom yet, but they're definitely a sensation now. Like, I mean, they're starting to get people talking. So, to win against South Carolina and and, and also win against Miami, I, you know, I think they can maybe throw their hat into the um, ACC ACC race. But we'll see. I mean, to have a freshman quarterback, and you know, I'm still not sure how good they are, and you know, things are going their way right now. But let's see when things get shaky. You know, they may have some depth issues. Some and Sam Howell's a, a good and young quarterback. Even Mac Brown said, "Hey, we haven't even." You know, we're just scratching the surface. We held a lot back. We're trying to ease them in. So, I'm excited to see what the Hills can do going forward. Yeah, and 
I don't want to disrespect Wake Forest, but I'm just saying it's just a little odd that this line is is yeah, like that was, this. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. But I, I really think it's worth taking a shot on Friday. I, I put it into one of my favorite plays um, for the weekend. Um, not too interested in Kansas and Boston College. I'm still sticking to my roots. I don't really bet on bad teams. Uh, Boston College has value as an underdog sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean, as a 21-point favorite, no, nah, not really. <laughs> um, yeah, and then yeah. there's Washington State and Houston, which even if even if over. I don't touch the line, even if I don't touch the line, over. anytime the Pirate is on TV, I'm, I want to watch them. So. Take the over. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's actually up to 74 and a half right now. Um, I'm definitely curious to see how Washington State uh, will play, considering their nine-point favorites on the road against a Houston team that some people really felt like were going to be very competitive. And um, I want to see if, if maybe there's some overreaction from uh, Vegas on that line. Uh, hitting into Saturday, uh, going super deep, on Saturday. One of my hidden lines that I liked was Buffalo at Liberty. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, honestly, hey, I got this line. I, I kid you not. I got this line at four on, like, Monday. So, Monday, I did a um, a four-team uh, round-robin parlay. I had two soccer bets on there, which were not trying to get too far away, but you know soccer. So I had uh, yeah. England to get over two and a half goals, and I had Turkey to win by one and a half. And so both of those covered. Then I got that North Carolina game at three and a half, and then I've got um, Buffalo at four. So the line on the Buffalo game is now at six, um, which I changed. I definitely told everybody about it, but it's at six. And I want to tell you why I really like Buffalo, which people are going to be like, this is crazy, but I'm I'm so serious right now. Liberty's defense has struggled against the run, struggled against the run. Buffalo is one of the top rushing teams in the nation, and that's even after playing Penn State. They're one of the better rushing offenses in the nation. The other thing about Buffalo that's really good is that their strength of their defense is their passing defense, and the only strength that Liberty has on offense is their passing game, and they're still not really that good. In fact, I think they're barely getting 14 a game right now. So, yeah. It's a good spot to play Buffalo. I mean, even at the six, I would still take it. I, I really think um, if Buffalo wins, they're going to blow them out. I got the four, and I liked it, and obviously people are betting it. But um, it's rare to see a line of, of a you know two teams like this small time move up two points, but it's, it's clearly getting a lot of action. Um, so definitely take a look at that. And if you're wondering where I'm getting my lines from, mybookie.ag, uh, they're the group sponsor. I use them uh, to kind of gauge the lines. They also have um, a way of checking to see where people are betting on their site to kind of give you some insight on on who's betting what. Um, another interesting line that I, I know you probably want to uh, look into, Maryland is a seven-point favorite visiting Temple. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Just, and it's a 12 o'clock game too, which is uh, interesting as well. Um I think this was, is this Maryland's first road test. Did they get both Maryland, their games. Yeah, at home? first road test. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. Think, I, I think they should cover that pretty easy. They should handle Temple pretty easily, just based on what yeah. I've seen from Temple and based on what I've seen from Maryland. I, I mean, I, I like Maryland at that. I saw that earlier, and it was it, the, the line changed a little bit, but I, I still mm-hmm. like Maryland at seven, seven and a half. Yeah, 
And then, again, I'm going to give you guys my weekly warning. Air Force is playing Colorado. It's at 58 and a half. I know you just saw Colorado go ham on Nebraska. Be careful betting overs on triple <laughs> option teams. I'm just yeah. warning you. I saw somebody took, I think I think it was 48, was the Army-Michigan over. They went into overtime and still didn't get it. Two overtimes, actually, and still didn't get it. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be careful. And, and I feel bad for people because that would make me sick. If a team went into two overtimes in, in this day and age of college football and they can't muster at least 50 points, that's disgusting. So uh, you have to be careful with that. Um, Navy's at seven and a half over East Carolina. Army's 17-point favorite against uh, the Roadrunners of UTSA. Uh, so those are your military academies. Keep an eye on them. Uh, they can bring value. You just have to find the right plays. And, again, you got lines of 45, 53 and a half, 58. Uh, you got to be careful betting them overs. Uh, USC is visiting BYU. That should be an interesting game as well. Yep, USC's, man. I mean, since JT Daniels went down, it looks like, you know, now they're ranked. They've got two good wins in a row. And, I mean, it looks like USC is piecing together what could be a pretty successful season. I mean, I know Clay Helton, Lynn Swan resigned this week, and there's been a lot of, you know, Rumors about Urban Meyer and Gene Smith mm-hmm. coming and to turn the USC, you know, into Ohio State West. But I, I, I like what Clay Helton's done so far. Looks like Graham Harold has really done wonders for that offense, and they, you know, they can make things interesting in the Pac-12. Yeah, I'm really curious about the uh, Pac-12 after California beat uh, Washington straight up no. uh, this weekend. Um, so I'm I'm just a little curious. Uh, Cal, Cal's got North Texas visiting. Uh, they're uh, 14 point favorites in that game, um, which I'm not gonna lie. Considering how Cal's defense is and what I know about North Texas in general, I wouldn't go into that game expecting a barn burner as far as points. But um, if you like defense and you like the three yards in a cloud of dust type scores, uh, that'll probably be one of the games that you'll you'll enjoy. Uh, the line for USC and BYU just moved up to five as we were talking. So uh, definitely some action going on in that as well. Uh, BYU is a hard place to play at. Um, so five, I mean, you got to think, but Utah got, uh, you, yeah, Utah was what, four, I mean, five and a half, maybe six mm-hmm. by kickoff. So um, that's kind of a good way to gauge, you know, if you've been following Pac-12 football, um, gauging whether or not you, you think that's uh, a line worth playing. Um, Oklahoma State versus Tulsa is at 64. I don't think I've ever seen an Oklahoma State line that low. Yeah, <laughs> they've been struggling a little bit on offense this year, man. It looks like, you know, Gundy, if he's not careful, he could be on the hot seat. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Interesting all at the same time. Uh, Ohio versus Marshall is another small-time um, – like Conference USA matchup, slash, yeah, slash action. Um, Ohio dropped the dud last week. Um, I've kind of played them on a flyer uh, to cover against Pittsburgh. They just never got going. Although there was there was a chance for a backdoor cover, um, it kind of fell flat. They just never got going. Marshall went into Boise State and gave them a game, uh, which I don't think anybody expected. I think that line was pretty high too. Um, but they made them work for it. Uh, I would keep an eye on both those teams uh, and see how they yeah. match up against each other because once conference play starts, uh, those will be two teams that you'll want to check out for sure. Um, 
Syracuse. <laughs> Man, look, I'm going to use the same logic I was going to use in the NFL. There's just no way that a team gets blown out and on the road and comes back home for a game that they really care about and, and like, get blown out again. We've seen yeah. Clemson win but struggle against the number. Um, and here is a team that historically has their number in regards of uh, against the spread. 28 is a lot. It's a lot um, for a team that should be up for it. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and take Syracuse here. Uh, and no. just kind of roll the, I, I'm for real, but take them to cover, not to win, but to, to cover and, and roll the dice and see what I get. I mean, if I get burned, I get burned. I'll just say I'll never again, but I can make it up on the over um, with Syracuse later in the season. But I just don't believe in the 28. I just I don't believe in it. I, I feel like they would have to just kind of not want to play. And I look and at it this way. Maryland put up 63 points on them. You got yeah. Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, who I'm sure have this game circled as well. I'm sure Trevor Lawrence said, look, y'all got lucky last year to keep the game close. I was knocked out. That is true. I'm going that to come true. to Syracuse, and we're going to blow the, <laughs> we're going to blow the roof off the, the carrier. I'm, I'm taking Clemson at the 28. I, I mean, 28 is a lot of points. I get what you're saying. And you got to think that Syracuse has been up for this game, but they just haven't looked good. They did look good against Liberty. They got the doors blown off them against Syracuse, and I'm supposed to think they're going to put up a fight against the best team in the country. We need to have a talk. No, I don't see it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and hedge with this over 62 and a half just in case. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm, I got to see it through. I got to see it through. And yeah, and I know yeah. some people are like, this dude crazy. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I bet, um, because I, I do learn a lot when I lose um, from time to time. And and thinking of situational plays, um, because a lot of uh, football is situational plays. I just kind of want to see it at this point. I just want to see it uh, if they really prove me wrong. Florida State's visiting Virginia. They're seven-and-a-half-point underdogs. Why would anybody bet Florida State? I don't know. Um, But just to tell you how disgusted I am at Florida State, I was supposed to go to that game. I am now going to Washington, D.C. to watch the Atlanta Braves play baseball. I'd rather not. <laughs> and I got really good tickets because I'm a state employee, so I got really good tickets. I still don't want to go. Um, you want to talk about a line that shot up? UCLA versus Oklahoma. I you know I saw that open at like 17, and now it's at 23 and a half. So yeah, that's, that's, right. that's kind of wild. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of wild. And then um, a nightcap game that should be interesting, Texas Tech at Arizona um, with the over-under of 77 and then a two-point spread favoring uh, Texas Tech. Um, should be an interesting nightcap. Uh, we're going to see some lines get corrected this week. Uh, there is oh, there was one game in there that I didn't see on um, my bookie. They might have took it down just so they can adjust it. But um, earlier this week, you were getting almost 10 points with Kentucky. Uh at home against Florida. So I know some people probably don't like that, but I really haven't liked what I've seen out of Florida. Um, I'm definitely willing to take the 10. And uh, I even put Florida on upset alert this week just because I yeah. I don't know, man. They haven't looked good. So they're on upset alert for me. Keep an eye on that line. 
Uh, do you yeah, have anybody you want? Kentucky lost his starting quarterback. Uh-huh. For the do year, you have any... I, I think I – Oh, upset alert? Yeah. Iowa. Iowa? Oh, I, yeah, I, I, that's I, true. Yeah, I Iowa's going on the road, the number 19 team. They're laying two and a half against Iowa State. I know they're on a four-year win streak against the Cyclones, but I really like Mike Campbell as a coach. And I know they didn't play well against Northern Iowa, Iowa State last week, but I think they were holding a lot back. To, you know, this is a rivalry game and a game they really want to win because I think that they see themselves as saying, hey, if we can continue this momentum and piece together some wins, they're going to have a chance to be one of the better teams in the Big 12. I like them to cover the two and a half. I like them to win outright at home against a, a really good Iowa team. But I, I really like what, what Matt Campbell's going to do, and I think they're going to, they're going to get a win against the Hawkeyes. Yeah, and Iowa State is definitely an upset special uh, favorite of mine when they play it um, at home. If you check the group, I'm pretty sure I've got like ten Iowa State picks. <laughs> like they're one of my favorite. They're one of my favorite teams yeah. to um, to take uh, around uh, the home stretch. So uh, my son is screaming. So I guess this is a good time to end the play uh, to end the uh, podcast. Uh, Marcus, thank you for uh, calling in. Thank you for being patient with me uh, during the weather delay. Uh, Everybody be on the lookout for week four. Uh, We will open the lines for week four, uh, the entire show, to have callers uh, come in and and talk about their teams and and get their reactions from uh, week three, okay? Uh, So this has been the third week of the IBA College Football Podcast. Uh, This is IBS Users and Marcus Anthony signing off. Peace.